Welcome back. Uh, we are here again with uh, this week, week three of the series um, of Who Am I? And, and so far in this series, we have been talking about who you are in different situations. And so I like to take through this, I felt led to take different situations that we all know from the Bible, things that, that maybe are more commonplace that we've heard a lot or we've read a lot or we've been taught about a lot and looking at them in a slightly different way so you can decide who you are. Because as I've said, and I will continue to say this, you're not defined by one moment, by one decision, but a series of them helps to determine who you are. You are defined by, by who you are in him. You are defined by, by your relationship with him, by your light, but not by the time that you made an awful decision, by the time that you made a wonderful decision. It's, it's a series over the course of your life continuing to decide to follow him. Uh, and we talked about David and how sometimes there are going to be times in your life where people don't believe in you, where people don't think you're good enough. They don't think you're able to do it. They don't think that, that you're the right person for the job, whatever it is. And yet God is there with you even in those times. He helps you to, to find who you are. He helps you to base your identity on him and to believe in yourself. Uh, we, we talked about Daniel and how he was faced with this, this decision of do I follow my faith or, or do I allow the king to determine who I am? Do I allow fear for, for my life to determine who I am? Do I allow other people and what they say about me to determine who I am? And he chose to, to not do it in a, a huge vocal way where he had a protest or he took the king down, but where he did everything that he always did. He went and he prayed and he knelt and he did not hide it. Uh, we talked in that week also about Rachel Scott and how it's such a similar situation where she had this decision. And a lot of people would have maybe made a different decision and still come back and ask for forgiveness, but she felt in her heart that who she was was defined by, by all of these other choices that led to that moment for her. This week, we are going to talk about uh, temptation and, and who you are when, when you're tempted by anything. And so I want to talk about what it's like to be like Jesus. It's the most common phrase in all of Christianity, throughout the history of Christianity, uh, saying, be like Jesus. Are you like Jesus? Do you want to be like Jesus? Over and over and over again. And, and I believe that most of us understand what that means and we work to, to do it. But sometimes we say it so much that we stop to think, well, what does this look like? How, how do I do this? Am I doing this in all ways? Am I trying my best? And I want to talk about the time that he faced temptation. And there are a lot of reasons I want to do this, because the three ways that he was tempted really show us how to respond in all of the ways we will be tempted, which obviously was, was his design. But also, it, it's, it's showing that one of the things that sometimes we feel, sometimes uh, even though we don't consciously feel it, is that if you feel tempted by something, then you failed, then you're sinning even in that. But being tempted is not a sin. Being tempted is just human. It's just something that happens. It's giving in to that temptation that, that then becomes a problem. And so I want to read from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. There are people who will point out, well, he did this to uh, make himself physically weak because the only way Jesus, the Son of God, uh, part of the Trinity, God, could have possibly gone through something like this was if he was physically weak. And, and we know that he was fully God, but also fully human. So he had uh, the same feelings, the same physical limitations that we had. Now, obviously, he had the full power of God, but, but he did that for us to set the example. But not only was he becoming physically weak by fasting for 40 days, but he was becoming spiritually strong. 
And so it wasn't just about taking away the physical. It was about talking to the Father. He didn't just sit in the desert and not eat. He prayed. He, he meditated on the Word. He did everything to, to build himself in that way. And it shows us again how to live our lives. Because whether you're a teenager, a child, or an adult, or I suppose that's the different things you could be, uh, and, and wherever you are on that scale, you're going to be tempted. Uh, you, no matter how strong of a Christian you are, no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how short you've been a Christian, you're going to be tempted by things. And what makes it both hard and easy in a way, and that's weird, but whatever, be with me, uh, is we're all, we all have different temptations. So there are people who, who feel a temptation to, to steal or to cheat or to lie, uh, and other people may not. Now, that doesn't mean that they're perfect or exempt from all of that. Maybe they feel a, a temptation towards drugs or towards addiction or, or, or towards over-drinking or whatever you want to go with that. And, and, and it can be a difficult thing because you feel alone. Uh, I, I know that I, I have family that is in Alcoholics Anonymous, and, and through that, uh, they have felt uh, help, uh, ways to help each other and help other people, not just with that addiction, but with other addictions, and yet they still feel that temptation every step of the way. And, and so there are many people, like I said, who would say, well, you're not really cured, you're not really better, you're not really healthy, but that's not how it works, and that's what Jesus is showing us here. Uh, and so by showing us, yeah, you may feel physically weak. You may feel like, you, like everything is controlling you, but if you are working on your spiritual, if you are working on your faith, if you're building that relationship with him, then he will be with you every step of the way to continue. Uh, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, it's such a weird, I remember when I was growing up, I had this little Bible storybook that had pictures along with everything. And one of my favorite ones, because of the pictures, was uh, Jesus in the desert being tempted by the devil. Now, of course, this was a long time ago in like the 1830s. And so the, the publication, the, the pictures were of that, the way that people used to depict the devil where he's red with the horns and has like the flowing robe. And, and then Jesus obviously was like the, the picture of King James' son that we see all the time on the paintings. And so uh, it, it's, it's something that always sticks in my mind for this. But we forget that Lucifer is, is, was an angel of the Lord who fell because of his temptation, because he gave into that, because he, he believed that he was above us, because he believed that he was more important than God. And so as he's tempting Jesus, he's not coming from a place of, well, I don't know what this guy's about. He knew God's plan. He knows uh, how powerful, how amazing, how righteous God is, more than most people even at that time. And, and so he's tempting him by things that, that for us, it's like, well, yeah, that doesn't make sense. But, but it's, remember that this is right after Jesus had gone 40 days and 40 nights without eating. And so the very first thing is, do you want, like, go ahead and make this into bread. And it doesn't even sound like a temptation because why is it bad to make something into food? If we had the ability to make rocks into bread, I guarantee none of you would be listening to me right now. You'd be out at a rock garden, making a lot of bread, eating some of it, selling it, and making some more, and et cetera, et cetera, and it'd be pretty cool. Like it would, it would be pretty cool. Uh, solid rock bread or something. There you go, there's a business. And, and yet, he started there because he was trying to attack what he perceived 
as the weakest part of Jesus. Now, we know that Jesus is, is beyond this because he was holy and perfect and he did not sin. And yet, because he had that humanity, he felt hunger. He, he felt hungry. There were times that he needed to eat, just like all of us. And so it was important that his soul, his spirit, who he is, was above that. And, and so I say all of that to get into how we face that. Because most of the time, we're not going to be tempted by, hey, go make this rock into bread. Or, hey, would you like some more food? Because that's fine. Eat. Good. Especially during the lockout, the lock-in, whatever this is called, quarantine. I think most of us have done that. But we are tempted by a lot of things that will provide short-term happiness, short-term fun uh, to the teens. And that's who this message is geared. And I want to talk to you directly. And if adults are watching, cool. But, you know, still listen. You're going to be tempted. When we go back, now I know right now it's at home all the time and, and you're not really facing the same things. Uh, one of the things I say at the end of Fall Retreat is you've had this weekend of being together and, and being close to God and yet as soon as you get back home, you're going to go through these temptations again. So eventually, we will be back to normal or whatever passes for that and, and you'll be back in school, you'll be back around people. Uh, it won't just be texting, it won't just be Zoom. And, and I don't know when that'll be. Maybe it's in a couple months, maybe it's in a, a few years, probably not that, but whatever. Uh, but the point is, you'll go through these temptations again. Now, as adults, we face these too. They're just kind of different, and I will get to that. But for teens, this short-term fun can come in a lot of different ways, because probably, and I've talked about this before, the thing that you hear the most is a dichotomy. It, it's a paradox. It's two different things. You hear, be more adult, be more responsible, act more like a, a, an adult, act more like how I act. This is from parents, from teachers, from authority figures, whatever. But also, if you want to do something that is adult, you want to, to vote or you want to have a, a say in something or whatever, then it's very much like you're just a kid. And so you hear those two things all of the time conflicting. You have a lot of people saying, hey, be an adult. Hey, be a kid, over and over and over again. And it can be very confusing and hard. And then you look around and you see people doing a lot of different things. Uh, you, you see people who, who uh, smoke as adults. You see people who drink as adults. You see people who drive fast, who do whatever it is. I guess those are the only things I could think of. Uh, but you see them as adults, and it's like, well, that's, you know, they're not more mature than I am. I, I can do this. I want to start with drinking because that's probably the most common one. Uh, it's easy to look at people that are older than you and say, well, they drink and they're okay, like they're still Christian, and yeah, that's true. But drinking first is a personal conviction. It's something where uh, if, if you feel convicted on that and you go against that, then you're doing the wrong thing. But if you don't and you're giving your life to him and you're, doing, uh, you're praising him and whatever, then, then it's fine. Like it doesn't make you better or worse. But there is a reason for that drinking age. And I know that a lot of people say, when you're older, you'll understand. When you get this, you'll understand. When you get there, blah, blah, blah. And it's so, it feels so arbitrary to look at 21 and say, well, how come when I'm 21, I can do whatever I want? Well, it, you know, there's, I don't know the, the, the law reasons for this, but I know that physically, you're still growing and you're still becoming who you are. And Honestly, I know that you don't want to hear this. I know that nobody ever wants to hear this themselves. You gain more responsibility as you get older. You gain more maturity as you get older. Uh, let's say that right now you're looking at me and you're 17. I'm guessing that you would even admit that you're more mature than you were when you were 12. It's true. And so theoretically, when you get to 21, when you get to 25, like you'll be more mature. And so 
the reason for this, and the reason your parents will tell you this, the reason authority figures will tell you this, is not, hey, we're better than you, we can handle anything, because not everybody can, and we see that. Like I, I mentioned my, my family who, who deal with this, but because they know what can come of it. And so when you're just learning how to drive, when you're just learning who you are, when you're going out into to the world, when you're starting college, when you're on your own and you're making all these decisions, there are so many ways it can go wrong. Uh, one of the things that I tell, and honestly, when, I, when I'm talking to a teen who is going to college, I'm like, I, I would advise you not to drink. Uh, when you're 21, it's a decision you're going to have to make, and, and you know that's on you, but until then, don't, but if you do, do not take a cup from anyone else. Do not take an open container, etc. And it sucks that I have to say that stuff. It sucks that people do things like that and put date rape drugs and things like that in alcohol. But those are all things that affect uh, judgment. They're all things that affect who we are. And they're things that, that hurt in a lot of different ways. And so that's probably the most common way you're going to feel tempted. Maybe pa your parents are going away for a weekend, the quarantine's over, and you get to stay home, and you're like, well, you know what, we'll just have a little bit. We'll do it responsibly. Well, guess what? If the police come, they're not going to care. Oh, were you responsible? No, they're not. And then that could affect the rest of your life, too. And so, again, I want to touch on personal convictions before I go on, because some of these fall into that. A personal conviction means that for you, it's something you've been convicted of. And I realize that kind of uses the word for the definition. But, but as I said, for me, it's drinking. I don't drink. I've never drank because I feel that from the Lord. That doesn't mean at all that I think I'm better than people that do. I don't. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's a sin for everyone. Again, this is a personal thing. Uh, I know people who will not cuss at all, who will not watch anything that has a cuss word in it. And for them, that is a personal conviction. For me, that's not. And so they don't judge me. I don't judge them. All of these different things. A personal conviction is something also that we can kind of try to abuse. And by that I mean, you can say, well, I'm not personally convicted against murder. Like, I feel like it's okay. No, no, no. There are still things that are always going to be wrong. And so that's something that, that doesn't matter. But going to temptation, why are we tempted by these short-term things? Because I, I think regardless of your age, you understand that this isn't going to be your life forever. You understand someday you'll be older, someday you'll have more and you'll be more and all of these things. It's because everybody wants to fit in. Uh, all of the adults that are watching this or that aren't watching this, they want to fit in. Now, we have learned over time, hopefully, better ways to do that and different ways to, to do that and, and what's important. But we all want that. And high school, middle school can be so cruel and it can be so mean and people can be so hard. And that's all that you have for that period of time. And I can tell you it's going to get better. I can tell you that... that uh, five years after high school, you're not going to remember the names of the bullies. You're not going to remember the names of the popular kids, so don't worry about fitting in. But when I was in high school, I still worried about that because we feel that. And so we like to give in to short-term fun. We like to give in to things that will, will do for us what will uh, bring some popularity, bring some acceptance. Uh, so, so drugs, drinking, smoking, um, sex, like all of these different things that we hear all of the time not to do, it's not just because parents don't want you to have fun. It's not just because adults don't want you to, to be like them. It's because you are so worth having the chance to live your own life and make your own decisions. You are so worth more than a short-term happiness. You are, you are worth this, this ability to go through middle school, to go through high school, to go through college and become who you're going to be without anything else messing that up. 
And so to give in to those temptations just because you want to fit in, that's always wrong, no matter what age you are. To give in to those temptations just because you want to, to be like everybody else, again, that is always wrong. And Jesus here, had he said, okay, I'll take this bread and eat it, I think most people in the world would have said, well, that's not even a sin, like he's just doing this. But it's because of where the temptation was coming from. It's because of the intent. And we have to put that on our hearts also. We have to remember that who we are in high school and middle school is not who we will always be. Give yourself the chance to continue to grow. Talk to your parents about literally everything. I will make a guarantee here. Uh, I know that not everybody probably has a wonderful relationship and a full communication relationship with all of your parents. Uh, growing up, I, mine went back and forth, and you know, it just depends. But I will guarantee that if you are ever in a position where you are in danger, or you need someone to pick you up, or you need someone to help you, no matter how much you've talked or how little you've talked, they will be there. Build that kind of relationship, that kind of communication, where you are telling them what you need, what what you need and telling them who you are and helping them see you. And I know that it's awkward when you start to have these talks, when you ask questions, but even though they may yell from time to time, when it's serious and when it's real, they will listen. The, the parents, the, the grandparents, whoever it is in your life, they will listen. And so trust them with what you're tempted. And, and you know, I've gotten into addiction a little bit, and that's a little beyond temptation. But you do not know uh, until you do something whether you're going to be addicted to it. And so it's important, again, to grow and to find who you are and to find your faith and to build that faith so that you can get through everything. I've talked about my sister before, and uh, she went through a period where she was addicted to a lot of different things. Uh, and she did a lot of different things, and she almost overdosed. And, and it still affects her life, but she's been away from that stuff for a really long time. She's a strong Christian now. She's got a wonderful family. And, and yet, she still would say, man, I wish that... that I had not done this. I wish that I had listened. I wish that I had talked more. And, and yet, we don't think that in the moment. And so what Jesus is saying here is stop and look at the intent. Stop and look at why you want to do something. Stop and look at who you are and build that. We go on to the next part. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must test the Lord your God. You must not test your, the Lord your God. That one word super changed that. Uh, but I, the point here is, what does Lucifer say here? What does the devil say here? He's using scripture. Now we are kind of trained that if somebody uses scripture, then they have our best interests at heart. If somebody has good advice, then they have their best, our best interests at heart. That's not always true. Um, and so sometimes... We put ourselves in situations that we shouldn't be in. We put ourselves in dangerous situations. We put ourselves in, in difficult situations. And, and we're not really thinking beyond, well, I'm okay, I'm a Christian, or I'm okay, I'm awesome, or whatever the reason is. And so what the, the devil is coming at Jesus here is your God. Like he's saying the truth to him, and he's quoting actual scripture, saying, hey, the angels won't let you fall. Like you're the Messiah. He's... Not uh, lying. Again, we're, we're conditioned to think, well, if somebody's lying, then they're bad. If somebody's bad, then they're lying. That's not always true. Sometimes people can flip things to where it sounds good or where they're even telling the truth to get us into different things, uh, to, to, to get us to drag race down the, the interstate. I will tell you a story that I hope the statute of limitations has passed on. Uh, Terry's got his phone up with 911 dial just in case. But 
when I was 17, 18, 19, somewhere in that range, again, a long time ago, uh, horse and buggies, I was leaving, my, a couple of my friends and I went to my mom's to watch a wrestling pay-per-view because I've always been super cool. And so uh, on the way back, he had a Nissan 240SX and I had a Thunderbird, Ford Thunderbird with awesome tinted windows. Uh, and so we were both in college and we're driving on the interstate and it's like a 10 mile stretch. I just realized my mom's probably watching and I haven't told her this. Uh, and so it's like a 10 mile stretch from, from her house to where I lived, where we lived. Uh, and so we were driving and, you know, we just kind of, you know, we're stupid sometimes. Teens are stupid sometimes. Adults are stupid sometimes. And so we're driving side by side and then we start driving a little faster and then we start driving a little faster. And I do not know how fast we go. I know that I hit 130 and I know that's not bad. Please don't do that. I have thought since then, man, if I had hit one thing, I'm dead. Because since then I've had wrecks. Since then I've lost control of my car. Since then I've realized, wow, that was super stupid. Now, that doesn't mean that I drive the exact speed limit every time. If you're a police officer, yes, I do. But I was tempted because I wanted to win because I'm very competitive. He was tempted because he wanted to win. And, you know, nobody else was on the road. We're like, this is safe. It's stupid. And we put ourselves in this dangerous situation. And even though we were safe and even though we weren't hurt, it was stupid. Like so many bad things could have happened. So you will be tempted to put yourself into things like that where you want to drag away, where you want to leave your house at two o'clock in the morning and sneak out and put like a, an inflatable donut in your bed and, and you know, make like a recording of, of yourself sleeping. I'm going to stop now because I just realized I'm kind of giving an instruction manual on how to do this. Don't do it. But you may feel like, man, my mom's never going to let me go to this party, but I'm going to be safe and I'm not going to do anything bad. I just want to go there because there's this girl that I like, this boy that I like. I just want to, to kind of be around my friends. I'm so tired, so bored, blah, blah, blah. And so you sneak out. And maybe the first time you sneak out, you know, you get back in in a couple hours, you're safe, you didn't do anything wrong, nothing bad happened. But what if it does? What if you're, you're walking, and I'm going to be kind of dark, but not, what if you're walking home from the party, you're driving home, and you get into a wreck. Nobody hurt, but you get into a wreck. And your parents find out, boom, you're in a lot more trouble. Or say that, that somebody at the party has uh, something medical happen, something awful, and so the police come, the ambulance come. Boom, you're in a lot more trouble. Say that there's a fire. Say that this happens. Say that that happens. I'm not saying that for the rest of your life, every single second of the day, think about the worst case scenario and then be like, well, I'm not going to do it because of that. I'm not. What I'm saying is, don't put yourself in situations where you are at danger regardless of what happens just because you want to be cool, just because you want to fit in. Again, most of temptation comes down to that. Think about the things that we're tempted to do. Think about the ways that we're tempted regardless of age. We're tempted to, to lie when we get into trouble. We're tempted to take things when we can't afford it. We're tempted to, to uh, do all of these different things along those ways just because we don't want to get into trouble, just because we want to get promoted, just because we want to get a better grade, just because of this, just because of that. But to put yourself in a situation where you have such a big chance to fail just because you want to fit in just because you want to be cool, just because you want people to like you. Those aren't the types of people that you want to like the, you. Those aren't the types of people that will be there. Going to the prodigal son story, which is a wonderful example of this, when he had a lot of money and he was a lot of fun, man, everybody was around him. But as soon as he lost that money, those same people that were like, chug, 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 that were like, hey, go do this. Yeah, hey, you're awesome. Let's butt heads with poles, pails on our heads, like whatever it is they did for fun. 
Uh, I just described football, I realized. But he's like, as soon as that money was gone, so were they. And so when you have to be somebody that you're not, when you have to change your morals, change your values, change who you are in order to impress people, in order to get them to be your friends, they're not your friends. I realize that's the most adult thing I've ever said, but it's true. Now, as adults, we still kind of feel this temptation sometimes. We still kind of feel this desire to get people to like us because we want to be liked. And so it's something that you will always face, but it's also something that the closer you are to Jesus, the stronger your relationship with him is, the more you're going to realize, man, you know what? This situation is just dangerous and there's no reason to do it. And if they don't like me because of this, then somebody else will. That's why I always tell you, your best friends, the people closest to you, your trusted friends, the best super close uh, MySpace top 10 list. Wow, I'm old. But the super closest people to you should be people who share your faith, share your values, share your morals, share uh, your beliefs. Because they will always be there and they will understand. That doesn't mean don't have friends that aren't Christian. It doesn't mean don't have friends that, that, don't, that are different than you. Do, that's fine. But I'm saying your closest ones. And that will help you. And then be willing to talk to them. Be willing to talk to your parents, to your brothers, your sisters, whoever is close to you about the things that are, are tempting you. Because most of the time, I'm going to say 99.999%, your parents, other authority figures in their life, they're going to be able to tell you, oh yeah, yeah, I've been tempted by that before. Or, oh yeah, this is what I went through like when I was in high school, when I was in college, when I went through this. So instead of putting yourself in a situation to make yourself look cool, just be who you are. And I'm not going to say being who you are is the coolest thing because that's something that like cartoon characters on the more you know commercials say. But honestly, it's true because we spend 20, 30, 40 years of our lives in order to find out who we are and then to try to be that person for the rest of our life because we realize, man, all these times I was pretending it was stupid. And I know that you still have to go through your life and you still have to grow and you still have to do all of these things. But the sooner you realize, man, who I am is a child of God, who I am is, is important, it's valuable, who I am is worth it, then you're going to save yourself so much pain. And so the last part of this scripture. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the, disciples, or for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. I don't think that any of us ever would say that what we're tempted by is to be greater than God. None of us would ever say that. But sometimes, sometimes the way that we act, the things that we do, it brings that impression. Because we never consciously think, oh, well, I think that I'm more important than God's plan for me. I think that I'm more important than, than this person over here. I think that I'm more important than, than, than my faith. And yet, we do things selfishly sometimes. All of us do. And so this is where you get into, as I said, cheating and lying and stealing to be more than who you are. Uh, I think most of us, and, and I'm sure all the adults could say, yeah, most of us have been in situations in school where we have had... The, de the decision to either allow someone to cheat off of us or to cheat off of them. Everybody has had that. And maybe sometimes we've made the wrong decisions. Maybe sometimes it's been like, well, I didn't have time to study because uh, I, I was sick and because this happened and that happened and it was so awful and the, the seventh Fast and the Furious movie was coming on and I just had to watch it seven times because I could not afford to study during that time because Paul Walker, we miss him. don't know why I said that, but we do. And so... 
we've had this situation where we have to decide, man, it's just this one grade. I'll just cheat this one time and then I'll study, I'll make up for it, I'll, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. Or, you know, man, they, my friend, they, they really need this grade. They're going to fail. They're going to be in trouble if they don't get this. I'm just going to do this paper for them. I'm just going to do this for them, and then they'll be okay. Any kind of sin, any kind of temptation, when you give into it once, you open the door for more. It becomes a, a slippery slope, I guess is how I'll say it. It becomes a snowball. Because let's just go with the first time you ever lied to your parents. Uh, I, I know that some of you will look at me and say, I've never done that. Well, you know, some of us have. The first time you've ever lied to your parents, you probably afterwards felt sick. Maybe you're like a three-year-old and you lied about the cookie jar and you're holding cookies and broken glass and you're like, I didn't do it. Uh, maybe. Maybe I did that last week. But the first time you lied, the first time you've cheated, the first time you've taken something that's not yours, the first time you've done something wrong, you probably felt a lot of guilt. Uh, everybody does, even if you're not a Christian. Like, you feel guilt. You feel like, man, this isn't right. I don't feel good. Maybe you get away with it. And it's like, man, I still don't feel good, but I got away with it, so I won't do it again. But then the second time that opportunity comes, you feel a little bit less guilt. And then the third time, a little bit less guilt. And then, boom. You feel no guilt ever. Now, that's not to say that if you give in to a temptation once, then boom, you're lost forever. It's not true. There are people who have gone to prison for awful things and have found the Lord there. Uh, there are people who have had rough lives and done awful things or done things that just aren't right or been selfish or greedy or, or lustful or whatever and still found the Lord. I've talked about David this morning and, and he committed murder and adultery and lied and all of these things, and yet he still received forgiveness. So there's never a point where you're too far gone. But there comes a point where it's easy to stop being a Christian, where it's easy to stop doing what's right, where it's easy because you feel less guilt. Because the more you do something, the better you are at doing it. Uh, the more you play basketball, the better you are at playing basketball. The more you play your instrument, the better you are at playing your instrument. And it works with temptation too. The more you give in to temptation, the better you are at giving in to temptation, the better you are at justifying. Uh, if you think of anyone in your life or anyone on the news or anyone wherever, that anyone in the world that, that you would think of as somebody who doesn't do the right thing uh, for whatever reason, you think, well, this person never does the right thing or this person does a lot of bad things. I would guarantee that they did not start their lives saying, when they're like 13, saying, you know what, someday I hope to do everything evil and do everything bad and to do everything wrong and just live that way. It started with something. It started with something. And they ignored the voice of the Lord on their life and then they ignored it again and they ignored it again. They ignored their conscience. They ignored their conscience. And I realize that sounds dark. I don't mean to say that you're in danger of that right now. I don't. Because for the rest of your life, every single person listening is going to feel temptation at some point. Everyone is going to feel that. And more than that, probably, uh, and don't use this as a justification, but probably you're going to give in to it at some point for something, for different things. Hopefully not big things, hopefully not awful things, but for something. Because you're imperfect, because you're human. But, as I said, do not use that as an excuse because Jesus showed us that you don't have to give in. Jesus showed us that even the, the worst of us, even whoever we are, has him, has his strength, has his ability. And no matter who tempts you, no matter what tempts you, God is stronger than that. No matter how popular you would get for whatever, God loves you more than that. No matter how little other people think of you, no matter how little you think of yourself, God loves you more than that. 
the reason for this series is because it's very important to me that you begin to understand who you are because who you are matters so much. Who you are is worth it. Who you are is enough. Uh, I've gone through my entire life not doing very many bad things. Really nothing awful. But I've also gone through my entire life not believing in myself at all and not thinking very much of myself at all. Even now, I don't think very much of myself. And even as I get to the end of this, I start to think, man, did I say this right? Did I do this right? Because I question everything I do. And so it's very important to me that, that you don't have to live like that, not just in terms of giving into temptation, but in terms of understanding who you are. Because when I say you are important, you are valuable, you are worth it, you are enough, that is absolute gospel truth. And so whatever it is that you have been tempted by or whatever it is you're tempted by now, that does not make you a failure. It does not make you weak. It does not make you bad. If you have given in to something and you feel guilt over that and you feel regret over that, even though you may get in trouble, I would encourage you to talk to someone, talk to your parents, talk to someone in your family about that and about those feelings and then learn from that. And guess what? If you get grounded, you get in trouble, it's not going to last forever. There is not a single person listening to this who hasn't gotten in trouble, except Terry. But it's like we all have dealt with this. The more important thing is that you learn who you are. The more important thing is that you learn you're above these temptations, that God is above these temptations. And even though you will feel them, you are so powerful with him. You are so worth it that he will help you. And so you see, how did he resist the devil? How did he resist temptation? He quoted scripture. He prayed. He spent time with the Lord. How did Joseph in, in the Technicolor Dreamcoat resist temptation? He ran away from it. There are so many ways, but it all starts with finding who you are by looking to God and saying, God, help me to find your strength. Help me to feel your strength. Help me to feel your courage. Help me to, to be honest. Help me to be truthful. Help me to grow. Help me to learn from my mistakes, to learn from the problems that I've had. Help me to pick myself up and to look at you and to be better tomorrow than I was today. That is all we can ever do because you're never going to be perfect, but you are enough. And so all you have to do is each day you get up, do your very best to be like Jesus. Do your very best to show the world what it means to be like Jesus, to be strong, to be honest. When you fail, when you mess up, to, to learn from it to grow from it and to be better today than you were yesterday and to just do that every day. That is all any of us can do. And I believe that you can do it and I believe in you. So as you are learning through this series who you are, I want to end with this because I've said it 800 times throughout just this message, but who you are, who you are is a loved child of God. Who you are is worth it. Who you are is enough. That's all I got.